The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. When John the Baptist and Jesus himself came preaching that the kingdom of heaven was at hand, they were speaking not of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God in general, which includes every child of God everywhere, but in particular they were focusing upon the church kingdom, that visible aspect of the kingdom of God that we still dwell in today. You may recall that in the last couple of messages we have begun a series on the kingdom of God. Today, we begin to look at what the kingdom of God or the church of God ought to believe, and we do so by looking at the Articles of Faith of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. Zion Church was constituted in 1847 by seven charter members who adopted these Articles of Faith. We're going to see through this series that those Articles of Faith, which are still in effect today, are based upon sound scriptural doctrine. Our first article has to do with our belief in the one true and living God. You know, the church ought to have a big God theology. I'm thankful that here at Zion Church, we believe that our God is a big God who is able to do that which he promised, in particular in his promises concerning eternal salvation. We hope you'll join us through this series as we learn about the visible aspect of the kingdom of God, the church of the living God, and what it ought to believe and how it ought to be conducting itself. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Yeah. 
stood before you, we, we preached about the kingdom of God, and we preached about it in a particular way, not just the general idea of the kingdom of God, which is certainly uh, a truth that needs to be explored from time to time, but the idea that the visible aspect of that kingdom of God is what we're experiencing here today in the form of the church. See, the church, I believe, is what Jesus and John the Baptist were both talking about when they said, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We weren't talking about some literal physical reign of Christ on some literal physical throne here on earth. But he was talking about the, the reign of Christ 
in his spiritual kingdom, which is indeed the visible aspect of it is indeed the church of the living God. This morning, I feel a strong unction to go back to this idea of the kingdom of God and to ask a couple of questions, I guess, regarding what the church ought to look like, what it ought to be like. What should we be seeking when we're searching for a church? Some look for youth programs. You know, I've had this before. So, well, we're going down here because they got more entertainment for the young folks. But some are looking for other types of activities, committees, different things that would help to entertain people, to, to bring them in, to make them feel like they've been entertained in the, in the midst of a service. But I want to ask the, the main question this morning is what should we seek in a church? What does God want us to look for in a church? In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14, Paul is writing to the young preacher Timothy. And he's given him a lot of good information, both doctrinal and practical. And then he says in verse 14 of 1 Timothy 3, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. I suggest to you this morning that one of the key things that we should be looking for in a church is does that church preach and teach the truth of God's word? There's a lot of good organizations out there. There's a lot of charitable organizations that it's okay to be a part of. But remember this, the Rotary Club, the Lions Club, the Red Cross, all those things are good things, but they are not the church. They are not the church. They are organizations, and it's okay to be part of it. But the church is not just an organization. We've, I've heard it said before that the church is truly an organism. It's a living body with Christ as its head. And Jesus said that to the woman at the well over in the fourth chapter of John, about the 24th verse, he said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Truth is the pillar and ground of the church. What's the ground do? The ground is what you build upon, Right? The ground is the foundation. We have the foundation here in this church that this building is placed upon, and the foundation has to be good and strong or else it'll crumble, <laughs> and, the, and, and the building's in trouble. But also, it's a pillar of the truth, and what a pillar does is it holds something up where it can be seen, and, and the truth is something that ought to be held up in the church where the world can see it. In other words, there ought to be a difference in what you find in a true church of God than what you find out in the world. The church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. So one of the key questions that you, we ought to ask when we come to the point of looking for a church is what does that church believe? What does that church stand upon? Lord willing, I want this morning to start with Article 1 of our Articles of Faith here at Zion Primitive Baptist Church and just look at what does this church believe? 
what do we stand upon here at Zion Church? Now, now I want to just say just a little bit of something as a, as a point of interest. These articles of faith that if the Lord will bless me to preach through over the next few weeks, these articles of faith are the articles of faith that on the Saturday before the third Sunday in May of 1847, seven people came together as the first members of the newly constituted Zion Primitive Baptist Church and adopt these articles of faith. These articles of faith have not changed for 175 years. Many of the churches uh, that in that day, that, that maybe some still exist today, shared these same article, articles of faith. Just about all the Baptist churches in this area, whether they were primitive Baptist or missionary Baptist or Southern Baptist or whatever they might be called, shared these same articles of faith. Through the years, many of those have gotten away from these articles of faith. And I, I don't say that to criticize. I say that to point out that there is a difference. There's a difference uh, in, in what many in the world believe and what the church here at Zion believes. So I want to start with our first article of faith. This is Article 1 of the Articles of Faith of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We believe in one true and living God and that there are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Now that's a pretty basic article of faith. It's a pretty basic belief uh, for many Christian churches out there today. But I want to I point out something to you. I want you to notice that it says here that there is one true and living God. One true and living God. In other words, those seven members that came together 175 years ago, along with the presbytery that helped to, 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 to form this church, to, to create uh, this church in, the, in hopefully the proper way, they believed that there was one true God. I know we live in a, in a society that doesn't believe in truth, or at least doesn't believe in absolute truth. They believe that your truth while it may differ from my truth, is just as good as my truth, and my truth is just as good as your truth, you may believe that one plus one equals three, but that's okay. <laughs> you may believe that two times two equals ten, but that's okay. Now, the only problem I got with that, if you believe that, I don't want you building any building that I've got to build, okay? <laughs> I don't want you being the architect or engineer on any building that I have. Beloved, there is absolute truth. Now, I realize that's a math example, but in the, in the area of, of truth, scriptural truth, religious truth, moral truth, there are absolutes. And these seven members, original members of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, believe that he was the true God and that there is truth. Now, something else this means is this. <laughs> if he is the true God, then that means he is truly God. And you're not. <laughs> and I'm not. Now that's, that sounds like a pretty basic principle too, doesn't it? But you know, that's something we forget sometimes, is it not? Even we forget that. Who are supposed to be exalting him higher than, 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 than many people do in the world. Sometimes we forget that. But you know, if we can remember as we go about our lives... That one basic truth, it helps us so much. He is God and I am not. And that means 
a lot. That means that I can't handle every situation, but he can. That means I don't know the answer in every situation, but he does. That means that I may not agree with what he's doing, but it doesn't matter because he's God. <laughs> he's God. You know, there's a lot of things in my flesh that I don't agree with the scriptures on. You know, I think it, you know, I ought to be able to go out and cheat and steal and make all the money I want to in my flesh. You know, I'd be a lot happier, right? Take money out of the public coffers, cheat you out of some land or something. That ought to be the, my flesh, that's what I want to do, you know. I, I think when you cut me off in traffic, I ought to be able to do like you see on some of the movies and just ram you off the road and stalk you and, and teach you a lesson. See, that's in the flesh, but that's not what God says, right? I think I ought to have my way in everything because I'm right, right? <laughs> I told one of my children one time, I said, you know, the problem with us and our disagreement is you think you're right, but I know I'm right. <laughs> See, that's the way, isn't that the way we are? But that, in the flesh, we want to do that. But remember, he is God. I am not God. I don't care how, how high and mighty you get in life. You know, there was a king one time named Nebuchadnezzar. He was the ruler of the known world. He was the absolute tyrant, absolute monarch of the Babylon. What he said was law, and if he said, off with your head, your head came off, okay? And one day he was walking in his porch there overlooking great Babylon, and he got to thinking with himself, oh, is not this great Babylon which my hands have built. <laughs> and God struck him down as a beast of the field and turned him out to pasture for several years. He, he looked like and acted like a beast. He, we would say today he lost his mind. And oh, when he came back, he made a statement that we're going to deal with at some point, Lord willing, in this message. He said, he has his way in the armies of heaven and the inhabitants of the land. And no man can say unto him, what doest thou? <laughs> and no man can stay his hand. That was the, great, the greatest king of his day. And he learned the lesson that he is God and Nebuchadnezzar was not. See, he is truly God. Now, that's important because I want to ask you a question this morning. I know all of you here under the sound of my voice are Christians. I know you, you are believers in Christ. You, you, to some, you know, maybe some differences in, in where you are on, on different issues on the scripture. But generally speaking, we're all children of God who are Christians, following, trying to follow the Lord. And I want to ask you a question. Are you a big God Christian or a little God Christian? You see, the theology of the true church of God ought to be a big God theology. It ought to be a theology that puts God on his throne. Now understand when I say that, God is on his throne. <laughs> But in our minds, in our hearts, it ought to put God on the throne in our minds and in our hearts where he is already. And we ought to see him as a big God, not as a little God with a little G who relies on man for his plans to come to fruition. I want to give you a little teaser verse about this. Psalm 115 and verse 3. Many of you are familiar with it, but Psalm 115 and verse 3 We'll probably come back to it. If we don't, we'll at least talk about the concept. Now, listen to our God. This is, and I want, I want us to see that the God of Zion Primitive Baptist Church is this God. He says, but our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever men will let him do. 
You catch a problem with that? <laughs> I kind of misquoted that, didn't I? You know, I'm afraid that's the view too many times of too many of God's children out there. It doesn't make you not a child of God just because you don't see God as big as He is. But notice, that's not what He said. He didn't say He's doing the best He can to get His plans implemented, to get His people saved, to do all. He says, our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. And that sounds like a big God to me. Not a little God, a big God. And our theology here at Zion Primitive Baptist Church ought to be a big God theology. My goodness, think about this, about our big God. He created everything out of nothing. He created everything out of nothing. You know, Genesis chapter 1 really tells us all we need to know about God. If we just read it and study it, and let it say what it says and mean what it says. Genesis 1 tells us what we really need to know about God. We need, a, we need as children of God, a Genesis 1 idea of God. A Genesis 1 idea of God. See, notice in the very first verse of, of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Notice what he did. He created something out of no thing. <laughs> create, the word create literally means to bring into being or to cause to exist. You know, the problem I have with the Big Bang Theory is that it requires us to, well, it's a lot of problems, <laughs> but one of the problems I have with the Big Bang Theory is it requires us to believe that there is no eternal God, but that matter itself is eternal. They ridicule, often ridicule Christians who believe in creation while believing a ridiculous theory itself. Where did, where did the matter from the Big Bang come from? Something had to exist before the Big Bang. By the way, just in case you're wondering whether God knew that this kind of theories, these kind of theories would come up, he was already prepared in the day of Peter. In 2 Peter chapter 3, in verse... Uh, Let's just go down to verse 3 because of the lack of time. He says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, now listen to this, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Now, now let me just stop here. What we're seeing here is Peter saying, there are going to be people, especially in the last days, as the Lord's return gets closer, who are going to say, that's just a bunch of foolishness that the Lord's coming back. They're scoffers. They're going to make fun of you and I for believing that. And, and they're, they're scoffing at that because they say, nothing has ever changed in the history of the world. Everything scientifically, naturally, geologically, geographically, Everything is still the same as it was from the beginning of the creation. But notice there's something that they are willingly ignorant of. You think about the carbon dating. Well, it's always been this way. Therefore, it must, we must be here for billions of years. You know? Notice this. So, but this they willingly are ignorant of. That by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. In other words, they're willingly turning a blind eye to the fact that God created everything. And, and, and incidentally, before the flood, things were a little different down here. <laughs> things were a little different. They didn't have rain for one thing. 
There were some fountains of the great deep that had to be broken up. I don't have time to get into the flood. Sometime maybe we can preach it. I know Brother Buddy's preached on it before. But, uh, you know, it wasn't just rainfall that, uh, that came down and flooded the earth. The fountains of the great deep, something down in the depths of the ocean broke up. And I believe that's when the, the tectonic plates came into being. And, th- you know, things are definitely shifting now. But it wasn't that way back then. He said, by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. In other words, most of the people today who struggle with the idea that God created the heavens and the earth and instead want to talk about an earth that is billions of years old and a universe that is older, they forget about one thing. Let's take the Grand Canyon, for example. I, I love going to the Grand Canyon. It's so amazing. And I'll grant you that if the Colorado River was a little stream some, some millions of years ago and started cutting out that Grand Canyon, it would take millions of years to get it there. I get that. But what that discounts is this. God said there was a worldwide flood. It was a violent flood. It wasn't just a little trickle of water where over a period of a few days or years, months, the water began to rise. It was an instantaneous, devastating flood where not only did the, whatever was, was encircling the earth cloud-wise that, that, that had kept the rain from falling opened up and the rains fell, but the fountains of the great deep opened up. And guess what happens to my driveway Brother Glendon had to come over and fix Mama's driveway not too long ago. When there's a lot of rain, it becomes a canyon. It becomes a canyon, you see. So that's the explanation for the Grand Canyon. But I didn't mean to get off into all of that, but my point is this. We need to understand and not be like these scoffers that God created all of this out of nothing. He created something out of no thing, okay? Now, if you believe this, If you believe in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, it's not too much trouble to believe he made an an iron axe head float, is it? It's not too much trouble to believe that he caused the sun to stand still for Joshua during a battle, is it? It's not too much trouble to believe that he was able when he was here as a man to heal the lepers and to, and to, and to make the blind see and to open the ears of the, dumb, the deaf and, and then ultimately to have power over death. If he's got power to create something out of nothing, he's got power to do a whole lot more. <laughs> if you can get past this, we, can, we ought to be able to accept anything we read in the Word of God. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. 
For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.